Good morning and welcome again to Words of Hope. I'm Mark Yoder and I'm grateful again for the opportunity to share these few minutes with you this morning. Often as I think about the things I want to share, I find myself wanting to carefully and, and with sensitivity share what I believe to be the true message of hope, the gospel, the message of Jesus being the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. As I was beginning these talks a few weeks back, just about the time I started, a friend of mine, a boy I grew up with, uh, we were neighbors. We hunted and fished and swam and spent much time together. Um, but his life took a very different journey. And just before I had started the series of talks, on a Sunday afternoon, he took his life. A symbol, I think, of uh, just a life of feeling hopeless. And I'm very sensitive um, and very compassionate about people that reach that place where life has no meaning and no purpose. Uh, I don't fully, I don't pretend to understand all the issues of mental health and clinical depression, and I'm not very hard on people that become discouraged because I feel like I've been up close and personal with some of that. And But the truth is, whenever that is happening, I know that people have missed the greatest message of hope for the world. And so one of the goals that I have is to try to share, again, the message plainly. Some of you, if you remember my first um, session, I spoke of the way in, <clears throat> in the beginning that God created the heavens and the earth and all that was in it and everything was good. His final creation was man, Adam and Eve, made in his image. And if you remember the story, how Satan in the form of a serpent came there and deceived Adam and Eve and tricked them into questioning God so that the aid of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil the tree of which God said, when you eat thereof, you will surely die. And if you remember that story, they were ashamed because they saw that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together, and you know fig leaves don't work very well. But in that story, God came and made clothing for Adam and Eve of animal skins, which was the pointing to this message of Jesus, beginning of explaining that there needs to be a sacrifice for sin. And that theme goes throughout many places in the Old Testament, especially seen in the story of Abraham and Isaac. In the story of Abraham and Isaac, it's clear that Isaac is a <clears throat> type of Jesus. His mother was barren, and then past the age of childbirth, when God supernaturally allowed her to have a child, Isaac, and it's a type of the virgin birth where God supernaturally uh, allowed Mary to conceive as a virgin. And then the day came when God said to Abraham, I want you to offer your son as a sacrifice. And many Bible scholars believe that God took Abraham to the exact spot where Jesus was crucified. And as they're on their way to this spot, Isaac is carrying the wood, a type of Jesus carrying the cross. Isaac doesn't particularly like what he sees, and he says to Abraham, Father, we have wood and we have fire, but where's the lamb? And Abraham's answer was a profound statement when he said, God will provide himself a lamb 
meaning two things, that when we get there, it won't be you. There'll be a substitute. And if you know the story, there was a ram caught in a thicket offered in place of Isaac. But Abraham said something else. He was saying God himself would become a lamb. And so it, when Jesus was introduced to the world, if you remember the story, the angels came and spoke to the shepherds, said, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And when John the Baptist introduced Jesus to the world and to his disciples, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And these days, it's not so important that I convince people of this message. As saying, you've, I've already mentioned a few times, my dad had a saying, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. But my goal has been that you know our message, that when you think about Christianity and you think about Jesus, that you actually know what the message is. Many people, if you ask them on what basis do you hope to make heaven, or even if you just ask them, what do you think Christians teach? They have this very um, stuffy, legalistic view. You know, you're not supposed to drink and cuss and smoke and chew, and you're not supposed to hang out with those that do, and that's kind of their idea. Just, you know, nothing... But that's not our message, although those may be some good ideas. But uh, And there's there certainly are things that we would expect of people who commit their lives to Jesus. But our message is that Jesus died. He came to seek and save that which was lost. And as I often say to people, we all qualify for that. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. The sooner we recognize that and understand that... Um, the better it is for us. We began to look to Jesus for forgiveness. And again, I'm not trying to say any of those things in an insensitive way, but just to again remind you that is our message, that Jesus died for sinners. However, in this story, even of the fall, you see that there's a deceiver. And people that are deceived uh, implies that there's somebody who does the deceiving. I want to share a little a few stories just maybe to open your eyes to the fact that sometimes when we've been deceived we ought to wake up and recognize how that has come to happen and resist the one who is the deceiver stretch out your arms it's time to lay down your arms and help each other all our sisters and brothers and when will we give up the fight it never was the fight Hurt each other, all our sisters and brothers. When you don't have the words to explain the hurt, you can lean on me. When the bullets are flying, lean on me. When we're fighting for surviving, lean on me. When you don't have a home, you can lean on me. See, they say they know, but we have. And when will we give up the fight? It never was the fight to hurt each other. All the sisters and brothers, when you don't have the words to explain the hurt, you can lean on me. When the bullets are flying, when we're fighting for survival. 
So again, I want to just mention something I had shared earlier, that when a person is deceived, they're just fine until they find out that they have been deceived. A young lady who feels like she's the true love of the man of her dreams will uh, be just fine, happy in that thing until she finds out that, you know what, he's two-timing or he's going out with somebody else or these you know the things that happen in that area are, are very painful when they've come to discover that all those things that were said were not true if you invest in a business that you think is an honest business but it's actually a scam artist you're fine until you find out that you've been deceived and if any of you have been through deception you know how bitter it can be when you discover that things were not the way that you thought they were. And I've said this many times, there are a lot of people with maybe good intentions are going to find out that someday that they were deceived. And, and the painful part of that is that God really doesn't want that for any of us. But here's what I believe strongly, is that to avoid deception, our first commitment must be that we want the truth, that we love the truth. And when we do, and we begin to be honest seekers, and I believe God will move heaven and earth to make himself known to us. A good number of years ago, we had a, a young man in our community, and I became friends with him. He would sometimes come over to the house. We'd talk. And, and in the course of our spiritual discussions, he told me, that he had met Jesus, that he was born again. And um, I like this guy. We had, I'm not inclined to question somebody. I didn't really think that much about what he had said there. But then over a course of time, um, became aware this guy's life didn't look like a life that was following Jesus. He was having an affair with a married woman and Actually, there was a child conceived, and there was a lot of heartache and pain. And, and, and by the way, you do not have to be a Christian and believe all the Bible truths to understand the hurt of some of these kinds of situations. And um, it's not about stuffy, legalistic morality. It's just that there's great grief when there's the compromise and those things. Anyway, then somebody came to me and said, you know, Mark, not only is there moral failure in this person, but he is involved in the occult. He uh, is involved in witchcraft and trying to learn how to cast spells and manipulate spiritual beings. And that troubled me. So one day I started saying to him, when you say that you have met Jesus, 
what Jesus are you talking about? Are you talking about Jesus who was born of a virgin, who died on the cross, and who rose again, and who is today in heaven interceding for you? And somehow he would always avoid answering that question. No matter what I'd say, no matter... He would, somehow he always managed to avoid answering my discussion, my question to him. Finally, one day he was there at the house, and I said, you know, before you can leave today, I want you to answer the question of what Jesus you met. Did you meet Jesus, the one who was born of a virgin, who died on the cross, and who rose again, and is in heaven interceding for you? And he said, you just want to hear me say those words, don't you? And I said, yeah, because that's what the Bible says, that every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God, but every spirit that denies that Jesus is come in the flesh is not of God. By the way, it's a test you can put to your own life, and it's a test you can put to what anyone says. If they deny that Jesus was born of a virgin, and if they believe that he is uh, just another person, just a good man, then they are not of the right spirit. They are of a false spirit. You, you can count on that every time. You can count on that for your own life. It doesn't mean you have to agree with that, but that is what the Scripture teaches. And so if, if, if you believe otherwise, you're not believing what the Bible teaches. Anyway, in this case, the guy said, you just want to hear me say that, don't you? And I said, yeah, that's important to me. And so he took a deep breath. And he said in sort of a chant, I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross. I believe he rose again. I believe he's in heaven interceding for me. And um, as he started to do that sort of chant thing, I, my heart immediately sank. And I knew it was not a confession of a spirit. And I was like kind of troubled how, about what was happening there. But as soon as he said that, he lost control of himself. His eyes became wild. His breath became short and he 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 started panting and then he kind of in a in a whisper he said but there's a problem there's a problem and i said what's the problem he said jesus said i'm the bright morning star and i said well what's the problem with that oh i can't tell you i can't tell you he said and we were there in my office and he looked up and there was a dictionary there in my office and he pulled the dictionary off the shelf and opened it to the name lucifer and under the name Lucifer was the definition bright and morning star. It was the definition of Lucifer. And he said, we've been worshiping the wrong Jesus. We should be worshiping Lucifer, Satan. And he was just kind of frantic there, and, and he left. In fact, about a week later, he came back, and he looked like he had been through a week almost of hell, unshaven, stressed. I don't know all that happened in that encounter, and again, I've since lost touch with this man, but the the, the truth is, <clears throat> when we are deceived, we can many times think that all is well. We think we know what we believe, we think we know what's right, but the truth is, there you, we cannot make truth what we want it to be. You can't say two plus two is five because you prefer that. You cannot um, there are laws. Gravity doesn't cease because you don't want it to apply. You can't just jump off a roof and say, I don't believe in this. And, and I feel like there are people 
of all the places where people are frustrated sometimes with Christians is that it feels like they're so arrogant. They always think they're right. And I've, I avoid arrogance um, like a plague, I guess, because I don't like it. The Bible says God resists the proud, and so do people. But it doesn't allow us to alter this message. It doesn't allow us to say something that's not there. It's not true. It doesn't mean that everybody has to agree, but this is the message of what the Bible teaches. <clears throat> In another story, that one of my favorite teachers is a man named Otto Koning. And Otto Koning was a uh, missionary in Indonesia in the Papua New Guinea area. He was there in a tribal area translating the Bible, and some of his stories are just incredible, amazing stories. But this is another story that I think illustrates the fact that there's a spiritual aspect that many people aren't aware of. He had been there for quite a few years with very little results, very little fruit in his mission work. And one day he was asked to go to another village there to preach the gospel, and it was through a pretty um, difficult part of a jungle. He had a guide that was going with him and leading him through this kind of marshy jungle area. And in fact, the guy said, you're so slow. They called him two on. Uh, you go ahead and I'll follow because otherwise I'll just leave you behind. And so as he was going through this jungle, apparently he uh, crossed over this snake that he didn't even know was there. But the guy, when the guy saw this big snake, that was that he had crossed. He said, "Tuan, you're so dumb. We can't. This you can't cross a snake. If you do, you'll, the the demons will kill you. You'll be killed." And uh, so Otto just turned around. I don't know if he had a machete or a stick, and he killed the snake. And then the guy says, "Oh no, that's just so much worse. You're just so dumb." And uh, but Otto started to go on, and this guy uh, had said, well, "I'll be. Up, I'll catch up." And just um, in the middle of this jungle, there began to be blood-curdling screams. It's just like he said, it's like he was in a horror movie, and these blood-curdling screams right there beside him, and it was so terrifying. All of a sudden, he was overwhelmed with incredible fear, and he actually felt he was going to die. He felt like he was going to fall off a log and and just not even live through that experience. And as he was in the middle of that, he remembered a book that he had just read of how to resist Satan and how to overcome the enemy. And, and, and he just cried out to the Lord in the name and through the blood of Jesus that he could be protected from Satan and from his attack and from this whatever was happening. And he said just as soon as he did that, the screaming stopped and the birds began to sing. It was like a whole change came over that jungle and he was able to go through to this place where he was to speak that day. And that day, for the very first time, large number of men, when they heard the gospel, responded to it. They came and said, we're going to take the hand of Jesus. And he was just amazed that after many times of preaching, and they just seemed never to understand, this day they truly heard and understood the gospel. Anyway, a couple of weeks later... He was going to a new village to preach. They had built him a house uh, to meet in, sort of like a some quick, I guess you could say, church place. And when he came there into the village to do the teaching that day, 
it was just there was a lot of chaos chaos dogs were barking and roosters were crowing babies were crying the way the place was set up the men were on one side and the women on the other and as he got his materials together and was getting ready to preach a pig ran right through the side of this building it was just a like leaf wall there and uh ran in the women's side and the women were uh I guess some benches upset and the men were laughing and it was just creating chaos. And and Mr. Koning said to the people, he said, you got to get the pig out of here. And before long, there were men, instead of really getting it out, were circling it and beating on it. And then there was a kind of a fight broke out because the owner thought they were hurting his pig. And anyway, it was just a chaos and disastrous morning. As he left there that day, he said to the Lord, you know, I do have to have some help in this job. And it was like the Lord said, didn't you learn anything the day you went through the jungle with the snake? And he realized that what he was facing there that morning was actually a spiritual resistance. And so he was scheduled to come back. And the next time when he came back, he said, I put more time into resisting Satan this time than in my preparation. And he said, I was a little embarrassed to get in front of the crowd and there speak these words, but he said, I kept reminding Satan that such and such a time I'm going to be in this place and I'm going to be, and you must not be there. And he declared, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. And I am in Christ and, and you must not be there to hinder what's happening. And that when he got there that next time, noticed even as he walked into the village, just a different spirit. No dogs barking, no roosters crowing, just quiet. The children, the babies weren't crying. And again, that day, many people came to Jesus, came to understand the message. Today, there are many people that don't even know they're living in deception, don't even know that the God of this world has blinded their minds and that they can't see and they can't understand the very simple gospel. I've had times when I've explained the gospel to people and I get done and say, what did I say? And they tell me almost the exact opposite of what I said. If you are someone today, down deep inside, you know that there's more to life than just pleasure-seeking and serving yourself. And you know that you long for something more than what you've experienced. I would just encourage you to take a step of saying, God, I really want to know the truth. I want to hear what you have to say to me, and I'm willing to listen and follow. In a minute, I'm going to come back and just share some things that I'd like for you to consider doing as part of seeking the Lord earnestly. Bring your tired and bring your shame. Bring your guilt and bring your pain. Don't you know that's not your name? You will always be much more to me. And every day I wrestle with the voices that keep telling me I'm not right. But that's all right, cause I
Bring your doubts, bring your fears, bring your hurt, and bring your tears. There'll be no condemnation here. You are holy, righteous, and redeemed. And every time I fall, there'll be those who will call me a mistake. Well, that's okay, cause I. airplane again uh, it's, a, it's a long story but I won't go into the details of the whole story but I ended up sitting beside a young Muslim man that day and as we began to share together and talk together about spiritual things I asked this young man I said if you were to become a Christian what would it cost you he thought a little bit he was a Muslim from Saudi Arabia. He said he had 25 brothers. He wasn't sure how many sisters. So he obviously came from a family of wealth. He was here in the U.S. being educated here. And if he thought a bit, he said it would cost me everything, Mark. He said it would, I'd be disowned, um, no longer accepted in my family, and possibly even killed because of the shame that I would bring to my family. And I said to him, should I even tell you the story of Jesus? Should I even, I said, such a cost. No, no, he said, absolutely, truth. This is the most important thing. I want to know the truth. Anyway, I 
proceeded from there, we had a long and interesting discussion about uh, what we believe and what it means to be Islam and what it means to be Christian. I never convinced him. We're still friends. We still write back and forth today. He prays for me and I pray for him. Uh, but one thing we did was recognize the great contrast between what we do believe. But my point in this story is I think it's important to do what this young man did, say, no matter what the cost, I'm willing to know the truth. And I have this little thing that's been in my heart here the last couple weeks to really encourage any of you that are hungry for something deeper in your life and to know to know for sure about your relationship with the Lord is to do a 21-day commitment to be open to Him. 21 days is what it takes to for a hen when she sets on eggs for the eggs to hatch. And for some reason, there's just something about that 21-day period. I'd like to encourage you. It's not much time, really, in the scope of life and certainly not in eternal life. But to say for 21 days, I will give myself diligently to hearing what the Lord has to say to me, that I will be attentive to nudgings of his spirit within me. In fact, I'd like to add even beyond that, there's 21 chapters in the Gospel of John, and millions of people all over the world would tell you that the Bible has absolutely changed and transformed their lives as they've taken this message and have listened and applied it to their life. And if you were to, in addition to this commitment to listen to the Lord, choose to read one chapter a day for 21 days and just see what God does, how he opens your heart. Now, you can't go to the scriptures to find fault and to criticize. As many people will say the Bible's full of mistakes, and they go to the Bible to prove that. That's not how you approach this. You approach this with a sincere heart saying, God, I want to hear from you. And if any of you are going to do that, I'd love to hear from you. Again, my... Email is M as in Mark, B as in Boy, Yoder, Y-O-D-E-R, at gmail.com. And uh, I'd love to hear your story if you do this sincerely, either good or bad. And uh, again, just encourage you to be aware. One final word. Jesus, there's a... There's a in Revelation, at the end of Revelation, or not not the end, actually, twelve chapter 12, verse 11, God allowed <clears throat> John to see ahead in time, and he saw a vast host of people that were already there. They'd already made heaven, and he writes. In fact, I sometimes think he may have seen me and maybe some of you there in that crowd since he was seeing into the future. And he says, they overcame Satan, and he names three things. The first is the blood of the Lamb. He says whoever really believes in this is going to overcome Satan and his lies and his deception. The second thing he said is the word of their testimony. And so I encourage people to speak out loud, even in this 21 days, if you choose to do this. God, I'm listening. I'm, I want to hear and I'm willing to follow. And then the final thing was they love not their life even unto death. And like this young Muslim man, he said, no, no price is too high to pay to know the truth. 
And I'd like to just encourage you to make that a goal for 21 days as you seek the Lord and seek his truth. Thank you for listening today, and we'll see you again next week on Words of Hope.